Um, so to everyone that's here, hello and welcome to the first day of the Sustainable Food Summit. So today we are having a discussion with um, the student entrepreneurs, Isabel, Anna and Corey, maybe. Um, so I'm Kate, I'll just really briefly introduce myself. I graduated from the University of Kent this year with a degree in biology and I'm looking at maybe doing my master's next year in a sustainability kind of related discipline. Um, Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm another moderator on the panel tonight. I'm Alex and I've just graduated from Brooks University with a degree in business management and geography combined. Um, I currently work um, in TK Maxx or TJ Maxx if you're from the US um, and alongside doing the Voice internship and hopefully I'd like to go towards a career of something within the sustainable fashion world. Um, I'd like to pass on to the other panellists, if you could just give a brief introduction to yourself and your business, that would be great. So, uh, Anna, if you could go first, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Anna. I'm a second year at the University of Michigan studying environmental engineering with a minor in sustainability. Um, and I'm speaking today a little bit about my family's farms. My family owns um, a few acres or more than a few acres of uh, like farms in uh, like mid Illinois and then also in Mississippi. And so that's what I'll be talking about today. Hi everyone, I'm Isabel Madernowski. I am also, I'm a senior at U of M. I didn't know Anna went to U of M, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Mich in Ann Arbor. Um, and I'm a senior, I'm studying art and design in environmental studies. So like sustainability and art. Um, I'm interested in environmental justice and those types of things. And then I'm, today I'm talking about my family's vegan meat business called Nutcase Vegan Meats. Nice to meet you all. Thank you so much, guys. So I'm just going to go straight to the questions, if that's all right. Um, Isabel, I'm going to pick on you first. So I heard you started your, um, you became vegan after watching the documentary Food Incorporated. I've never seen that. So if you could just tell us a bit about the documentary and also kind of how it impacted you and your decision to become vegan. Yeah, so I watched Food Inc. I was six, in sixth grade, I was like 11 years old and I watched it. It's about the like the meat industry factory farms like all of that and I was just like really horrified I was like very very young and just like it was very graphic and just to like learn all that information it wasn't really something I was taught in school um and I'm really stubborn and I was like we all need to go vegetarian to my whole family um I have an older brother and then my parents and so the four of us tried to be vegetarian we were like for a month we were like let's give it a trial um and all of us were pretty athletic like running and swimming and all that all that and we all felt so much better and healthier and so then we like fully committed and we were vegan. Oh, she dropped. We were vegan. We switched to being vegan and we just decided to like go down this path and we started making our own vegan meat because a lot of the products in the stores weren't very healthy. Um, and then, yeah, we started making it for our friends and then everyone's like, this is so good. You should sell it. Um, and so now it's been like, I don't know how many years, eight years maybe. And um, now we sell it nationally. So I can go into the details of like the company later, but that's like the backstory. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing to hear. So it was just, so like the documentary, would you say was like the graphic side of it that really got to you? Yeah. And I think just like the deception and like the lies mm -hmm. that we're all sort of like faced in just like society where, you know, we're just like all used to eating meat and dairy and like, you know, those are the industries that are subsidized. So that's like the cheapest food and it's like the most common, like McDonald's, everything that's around us. Um, but it's really not what's healthy and it's really not ethical or, you know, good to eat. It's not what's good for the environment. It's not really what's good for our bodies. It definitely isn't what's good for our bodies. And so, um, yeah, just like even at the age of 11, you know, I feel like I saw through that and I was like, this is something that's really upsetting. And I think we should all be upset by this. And um, yeah, I just 
<laughs> like started yeah. with my family but it was cool because like once I started I went vegetarian then I like influenced a lot of my friends and it, it's like cool how you can you know get a yeah. whole community going yeah absolutely do you think it's um so like this documentary do you think it's something we should have been shown in school I definitely think so I think there's a reason why we're not shown a lot mm-hmm. of these documentaries there's even I it's not food ink but there's a couple other documentaries that like received a lot actually it did food ink did receive some backlash but just that like um you know it's invasive and like they go into these farms and they show like they don't want a lot of those farmers and like they don't want you know consumers to know this information um and it it's it's just like upsetting to see so I think yeah we should be shown it in school like our education is limited um and yeah absolutely it's it's something that we all need to know yeah definitely because I you know I was only in secondary school education that long ago and that kind of stuff is just never talked to you if you don't see on a documentary Mm -hmm. on Netflix or someone exposes you to it you know it's amazing yeah. isn't it um I think yeah. Alex's wi-fi might have just gone otherwise I'll ask another question are you there Alex she came back she's back. back no worries okay I'll ask the next question so how did you actually convince your parents to um begin the family company into veganism and not just actually you know eating vegan well it wasn't it was like my like stubborn like we're gonna mm-hmm. do this that like it was a catalyst for the like the the just like making your own products and things like that but it was really my parents, both my parents are, they're now retired, but they're physicians. And so they noticed like when we were switching to vegetarian, you know, we, we grew up, I'm Polish. So we always like made our own sausage and like, we did all of that. We were very like, you know, ate everything, but like always tried to like make everything really healthy, even when we ate meat. Um, but as we like switched to vegetarianism, we were like, you know, we need the products to still be like very like whole foods, very healthy and like, um, you know, good for us, not just like fillers. And a lot of the products on the market, like are heavy and like gluten and fillers and they're actually not like healthy it's just like vegan like it's easy to be like you can be vegan and be unhealthy like you can eat oreos and tortilla chips and like get by but it's like it's not healthy um and so my parents because we were teenagers we were it was like through my high school that we were like doing all this and so you know you're growing we did a lot of sports and you like need a really healthy product and so they started making um our product and it's so it's brown rice tree nuts and quinoa is the base and that's like not no one else was doing it with that like most people use soy or you know tofu is a common substitute Mm -hmm. for meat um but a lot of people have a soy allergy and so we made our product completely soy free gluten free vegan non-gmo all these things because we wanted it to just like be health at the center of it and because my parents are retired physicians like they like really looked into all of that and so yeah I mean it was it's like their baby and it's still mostly just our family that runs the business and so there's like a lot of love that goes into it you know that's amazing and so out of interest um you know actually your parent in your company's testament to this that there's never been an easier time to be vegan right there's an alternative to everything so what do you think kind of puts off a lot of people from transitioning to veganism when essentially is the easiest it's ever been I think cost and convenience is still an issue I think like it is now like in this day and age it is the easiest time to be vegan but I think accessibility is still an issue yeah. it's still easiest to just go to Dunkin Donuts and get like whatever like a wake me up wrap or get like go to McDonald's and like get a hamburger and just like that's what's convenient that's what's like on the market and while there is like more and more like the impossible burger and things like that um which is like actually one of our competitors and their product isn't as healthy as ours and that's like one of the things that's difficult is it's like these big vegan companies even you know a lot of their products aren't based in like whole foods they are fillers and things like that um but I think with other people becoming vegan a lot of it is 
just like convenience and cost. And it also, I think something that's important to recognize is like, it is a privilege to be able to be vegan and eat like these types of foods and to like have access to them. Not everyone does. And so that's something to really important to acknowledge. And I'm someone that really doesn't like, like vegan shaming. I'm really not into that. Like, I think like I'm plant-based, but I now like, if I'm like, if people are cooking and like, I really respect, you know, like the chef and I like eat what people cook and I, you know, I'm not super, super strict anymore. I used to be like very, very strict vegan, but I think it's important to respect people and to like have that just like, you know, empathy that it's not, it's not like for everyone. And it, it is challenging to do. Um, and people also like culturally meat is really important to people. And like there's food traditions that are based in your family. So I'm like never the type of vegan to be like, like, like you can't eat that. Like never eat that again. It's terrible for the <laughs> environment. It's like, there's a lot of issues that like, you know, corporates are, corporations are accountable for like most of the issues that are attributing to climate change. And they're the ones that need to be held accountable. Like it, there's individual things that we can do being vegan is one of them, but like, there should be no shame, I think, put on that. It's just like, it should be a supportive environment. But I think cost and accessibility, like that is the issue that's keeping people from doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like that thing that, um, cut, cut, this is TikTok who's really, really good. And she always puts it, <laughs> that sustainability looks different for everyone. And I couldn't agree yeah. with that much that it absolutely does like everything you said about accessibility and affordability mm-hmm. um and even you touched on your family's polish you know, you have traditional recipes and i'm sure other people relate to that and wanting to keep culture and heritage through food absolutely yeah definitely yeah. have we regained alex or should i keep talking <laughs> yes sorry my wife i dropped right. oh, you're good um so do you have any advice for people that wanting to transition trying vegan uh maybe a bit of insight if you know any environmental benefits of being vegan because I'm sure a lot of people don't actually know like what it can do yeah definitely I think with the transitioning I think like being kind to yourself you know being gentle like you know it doesn't have to be like cold turkey like switching never eating meat or cheese ever again I think starting with like a meal a day um like really easy things are like like tacos like Mexican food you can do like beans rice and like guac and those types of things and for breakfast like oatmeal avo toast just like transitioning just one of the meals a day but I think a key thing to remember is like to like take care of yourself and like eat a balanced meal and food that fuels your body don't like start sacrificing flavor and quality and like nutrition like like what I said before where like people will go vegetarian and then they'll be like I I couldn't do it because I felt so weak all the time but like a lot of times they were eating like chips and like it's like yeah it's vegetarian but like if you're not eating like substantial protein like you're gonna feel weak um but it's like again like no shame like it is a challenging thing to do and you have to commit to it um so yeah like trying like easing yourself into it um yeah and like I said before with like how a lot of things are tied to cultural tradition so not being like hard on yourself and letting yourself have some flexibility I think is really healthy um, but yeah, there is a lot of environmental benefits. Like the meat industry is one of the highest contributors to climate change and the emissions that they output. So, you know, we vote with, with our dollars. And so if we're continuing to buy into these industries, like there is a power in cancel culture and being like, you know, we know this product isn't sustainable. And we know that this like corporation, this like whole unit is like not sustainable, not good for the environment. So if collectively we start to like pull back, there is an impact that we'll make. Um, but again, you know, climate change is not a personal issue. It's not like we shouldn't feel this sense of like shame and responsibility that like we're doing something wrong um, by like having pepperoni pizza, like be nice to yourself. Like the corporations are what are doing wrong. 
Um, but the key is like really like taking care of yourself. And there are a lot of health benefits, um, environmental and health to being vegan. Um, yeah, I feel like I answered your question in there. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people think there's a lot of pressure on their individual shoulders instead of looking at it as so sometimes it can seem a little bit overwhelming but I guess people will learn like you said one meal a day it makes it seem way more manageable than if Definitely. you just straight no nothing I'm done exactly but, do, do you I'm, agree with that Anna sorry Alex good <laughs> afternoon isn't it do you agree with that Anna yeah, absolutely. And like with my research on like my own farms, um, I looked more into animal agriculture and just like the emissions from like the animals themselves. And then also like just unsustainable agriculture. It doesn't have to be like animal based. Like those do like contribute a lot of carbon emissions into the atmosphere and like can um, like really contribute to climate change. But um, I I agree. I have like tried going vegan and it's very difficult. Um, and so I've kind of transitioned to like vegetarianism just because for me, that's a little bit easier, but I do try to eat like plant-based as much as I can. And I think that's something that a lot of people can do, like just try to eat plant-based as much as you can. You don't have to be completely vegan in order to like support the cause. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. <laughs> um, and I was actually going to, I mean, I was going to ask everyone, but I was going to ask you if you'd watched the Kiss the Ground documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it, it only came out about a week ago. Yeah, I did. And it was really, really interesting and brought to light yeah. a lot of things that I didn't know about. Um, so mm. it was really interesting. I feel like that could open up a whole new conversation about regenerative agriculture, because I feel like in with sustainability and climate change, a lot of um, guilt and shame is put on eating meat because of because of, you know, factory farming and everything, of course. But I think that documentary really sheds light on if we do and anything more sustainably in a sense like with the regenerative um attitude it can be successful and it can be sustainable and it can actually do good things for the planet so yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that's really interesting <laughs> sorry Kate I'm yeah. just I haven't actually heard of the documentary what is it about specifically like farming and the sustainability to do with that it or? was it was yeah it was it was that they were looking at a new old approach of using traditional like cattle farming I don't know a lot about farming but like moving cattle between um like basically areas of land and letting them um keep the soil healthy so the soil takes up co2 from the atmosphere and keeps it down there um so yeah it was all about regenerative agriculture and it was narrated by Woody Harrelson so it's quite fun to watch for an hour and a half anyway to be honest um yeah it was really 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 interesting it's on Netflix yeah, no. and I can speak a little bit more about what regenerative farming is. So like to my yeah, understanding, based on that, um, based on that documentary, like regenerative farming uses cattle grazing. Um, and so instead of like uh, growing your own food through like corn or soy and then like feeding the animals through that, you're act like the animals are actually feeding on the land. And so they go around and like graze on like a certain part of the farm and then they would like move them every few days so the like ecosystem on that part of the farm can like regrow and then it also like it has to do with like the hooves on like on the animals like if they pack it down like it's a lot better for the environment and it can really increase um like soil quality and make it a lot more rich um but uh regenerative farming is it's an alternative to like traditional animal agriculture um i think there are still just because it is still part of that animal in like animal like the meat industry um there are still some drawbacks with the sustainability and so but it is like a more sustainable alternative to like factory farming and traditional um farming practices yeah you summarized it a lot better than i did <laughs> no it's really good 
Um, great. Um, Alex, do you have any questions? Um, I have another one for Isabel. Um, just in terms of, so I found on your website that you sell your products in over 60 locations across the US, which I mean, seems quite amazing for a small startup. But do you have any insight into what's next for the Nutcase Vegan Meats? Are you going to go global, like just push across the US? Like, yeah, any insight into that? Yeah, thanks. That's really sweet. Um, it's just been, it's been a long process of like reaching out to stores and it's like, it's just a give and take where you have to like really form a relationship with these like buyers. And so actually we're sort of pushing now more locally. We were like, we were reaching out cause we were like, oh, California, like East coast, West coast, that's where the vegans are. Cause I'm from the Midwest and like there's vegans here, but like there's more on the West coast. And so we were initially pushing out that way, but now, um, it's actually, we found like locally, like in Michigan and in Chicago, my mom is actually on a business trip. Like she drove down to Chicago. It's only a three hour drive um, with a bunch of nutcase stuff like last night. And she like did a bunch of deliveries. So we're getting into more stores locally because then you can form like a closer relationship with people. Um, and yeah, veganism, it's like everyone, like there should be education and exposure everywhere. So I think it's important to like connect with communities that are local. And it's also more sustainable to stay local with like lower shipping costs and things like that. Um, and now we're actually the Detroit Lions, the NFL team were, <laughs> were like one of their products that they, they, um, started buying our products. So we like fuel the Detroit Lions. That's one of the things that we're saying. Um, and so that's really exciting, like to be like a football team, like to be feeding a football team. So that's sort of the next steps I think is like, um, you know, reaching bigger organizations where there's like more people interested because that like football is like, you know, such an American, like you know people are obsessed with it and that's actually a really good way to like educate people through that lens because there's a lot of exposure so if a football player is eating vegan then like maybe the average like American will be more interested you know that's yeah definitely so cool. thank you that's re that's really cool though because actually I must you might when I think of an athlete right I do think of someone who probably has to train and eat in a tremendous amount of food you think you know pro they have to eat protein and they have to cut down on this isn't it you must think they must eat such a substantial amount of meat that if someone of that you know athletic ability is showing that it is possible people have not an excuse but generally people can't always say that that's just not an option when it is it's pretty cool yeah absolutely I think that's a huge incentive for people because it is there's that like mentality that we have like oh humans are meant to eat meat we have like this canine tooth and it's like that's like doesn't really make sense and like that that same mentality of like oh to be a bodybuilder you have to eat steak and it's like it's not true there's a huge disconnect there um veganism you, promotes a super healthy body you can be super strong like gorillas are vegan so clearly you know it's a strong you can be very strong as a vegan um and yeah thank you for saying that it's it's very true I think it helps like people attain a deeper understanding of what it means to be vegan yeah. And you, you touched on the fact that you're going to keep it local. Do you think it's very, very hard for um, a business that does start to become successful to go global and remain sustainable? I think that's a huge issue. Yeah. Um, my I should talk to my parents about what their plans are with like global. We do ship, we ship nationally. And so that's where a lot of people buy our product is like, it is in stores across the U S but people across the U S like purchase it and we ship it. Um, and I think, you know, that the carbon output from shipping is like profound. And so that is a struggle. And that's something that you have to like, you know, we use recycled packaging. We try to like, like limit costs and um, like the effect on the environment in that way. But it's just like the way that the world works. It's, it's hard and, it, you know, it's like creates a lot of emissions to ship things. And so 
um, yeah, that's something I think that's like a benefit of staying local is just that limit of effect on the environment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. Alex, you have a question or? Um, I have some questions for Anna, um, if possible. Just how did you get onto sustainable farming in the first place? Like, how did your family make this transition? We've been about vegan transitioning, but how do you from a maybe traditional farm to a more sustainable one? Yeah, um, great question. So my family has like the farms have been in my family for like hundreds of years. So we have like 870 gross acres in like Illinois and then like 3,500 gross acres in um, Mississippi. And so obviously these are like huge farms and they've grown over time. Like they first, like they first came into my family, like, uh, like during the civil war era. And so it's been there for a really long time. And so in order to like, kind of like maintain that profit and maintain like that, um, business, it has to be sustainable. And so, um, the more research that, that I did into like our own farms and like our own um, like sustainable practices, um, I've learned a lot and I've learned that they're actually not as sustainable as I thought they were. Um, but I like do want to hold my like my own family and my own like family's farms to the same standards that I hold other people. And so um, I talked to like the farm manager um, and talked to him like about some more sustainable practices that we can be doing. Um, and so what we do right now is like crop rotation. And so we do like um, basically like when one crop, like you harvest one crop and then like you bring another crop in to like kind of maintain that soil diverse or like the um, biodiversity in the soil. Um, and then we are also like um, implementing a windmill um, in our farms. And so it's not up yet because it takes a while, but, um, and that will be used for um, like more renewable energy sources. Um, but it is, something that I do want to look more into because um, like a lot of the farming practices I taught when I was talking to the farm manager, it seems more like um, more profit-based and more um, like uh, just like mass production of uh, crops instead of like kind of like uh, um, like staying determined to be uh, like sustainable. And so um, what we, so we grow um, like soy and corn on the farms in Illinois. And so those are actually like exported to be like animal feed and ethanol. And so those are not very like sustainable outputs um, because like we kind of touched on like the sustainable agriculture or like um, like animal agriculture earlier, um, like kind of making that feed for the livestock is like not the most sustainable and like a really inefficient way to like get that fuel into the animals. Um, and like then ethanol is also like an issue just because of like the gas industry. But, um, and so sustainability has been like a big part of my family for a long time. Like my older sister is an environmental engineer and both of my siblings are um, like vegan. And we, and like my grandma is like really involved in like uh, nature conservancy and stuff like that. And so it is really important for us. And so we do want to like start transitioning into more um, sustainable practices on our farm. I'm sorry, there's like construction going on outside. Um, <laughs> but so there are other practices that we can implement to kind of make our farming more sustainable. And I can, I can touch on those also. No, please do. Can I just ask you, um, whilst my brain, was there any, when you were talking to the farm manager, was there any resistance there? Did they say, I'm sorry, we just can't do this? Or did you have to really like convince them? What was that conversation like? 
Yeah. Um, so that conversation, it was more me trying to get more information on like the farming practices on the farms. Um, but it was more when I was talking to him, it seemed to be more like, oh, it's more expensive to like uh, start implementing like cover crops and more sustainable practices. Um, and it's also like a huge cultural shift because especially in the South and the Midwest, like everyone's kind of growing like uh, soy and corn. And so, and everyone is kind of, and it, he, it more seemed like he was saying that, oh, this is what we're doing because everyone's doing it. And so there has to be like that cultural shift towards um, like really, really um, like uh, committing to like sustainable agriculture. Yeah, definitely. And do you think, um, well, actually to both of you, do you think your family business, so your farming and the Nutcase Vegans, that's the career path for you? You're going to move that way and work when you're older or do you have a different plan? Um, I can answer real quick. Um, I think it's definitely been something that's been more on the horizon for me, especially in my uh, like education and like sustainability and environmental engineering. Um, as a kid, like I wasn't like I actually wasn't really like involved, like I didn't really like the outdoors. I thought it was like kind of gross and sticky. Um, but now, like since I've been learning more about it, it's become like really interesting. And I think especially with my family's like big business in like farming, I think we can make like a substantial impact. That's so cool, Anna. Um, I I have different interests. I like love my family's business, but it's not, I don't think it's necessarily like the career path that I want to go down. I, like I said, I'm an art environmental studies dual degree. So I'm a painter and I sell my artwork. And then um, I do like environmental justice nonprofit work. So I'll probably keep going down that path, but um, you know, Nutcase will always be in my heart. And I did a lot of work. I like have worked for Nutcase ever since it started. Um, and I painted murals on our factory. And so that's like, <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff that brings me like a lot of joy and like doing environmental education is something that's really important to me. And I think like the foundation, I do have a lot of knowledge about like starting a business and things like that. So it'll, I think it'll always be with me in my career. Um, definitely keeping it open as an option. Maybe I'll go and get a business degree. Um, but my parents, you know, are still young and they're like still keeping it going for a long time. So my brother and I are, you know, have different interests, but yeah, it's close to our heart. We're never going to like abandon that case. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I, you know, looking at where the future of climate change sustainability is going, I'm sure on some level we all will be incorporating sustainability into our lives, whether that is working for it or just incorporating it. So I think even just learning about these um businesses and everything is just really useful and insightful as well um you've grown up with that which is really amazing um Anna can I just go back to your farming really quickly can you tell us um what how the benefits of sustainable farming um outweigh some of the benefits of traditional farming because I'm sure there are benefits for both but why would you transition to sustainability sustainability yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and I think the Kiss the Ground documentary, uh, documentary really like uh, brings in good points about that. Um, so sustainable farming, it, so some of the practices for sustainable farming is, so basically what tilling is, if you've ever heard of tilling, it's when you like kind of plow the land and kind of break open that soil so you can plant some seeds. Um, and so I wasn't aware of this, but um, after watching that documentary, the, so there's carbon sequestered in the soil through these microorganisms like within the roots. Um, and so when that soil is broken open, the carbon is released into the atmosphere and it like, um, and it contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and so that's one way that uh, 
sustainable farming like would limit that carbon output because uh, you like sustainable farming, um, instead of tilling, you would just plant the seeds directly into the soil without breaking it up, um, which is a pretty easy thing to do. Um, and so it's, but uh, tilling is like a lot faster, especially if you're like in a large farm or like mass production, um, you would just like till the entire farm and then the, put the seeds in. Um, and then also with like pesticides and herbicides, those microorganisms that I was talking about within the soil, um, when you use pesticides and herbicides, like it's killing those organisms. And so they aren't able to like hold that carbon and sequester that carbon. And so again, like that carbon is released into the atmosphere and contributes to like carbon dioxide emissions. Um, but there are definitely a lot of like, um, benefits to sustainable farming because one like the biodiversity within the soil I like in that documentary they talk a lot about the soil and how much like potential it has and how there's almost like an entire ecosystem in the soil um, and so when you do sustainable agriculture you're not really killing those microorganisms and so there's a lot of biodiversity and then through that you can support more crops and like you could be harvesting even more um, than you do with uh, like non-sustainable practices. And so um, with that, like it also sustainable agriculture, especially regenerative farming, um, like can also, the it helps the soil retain moisture and water for longer. So that also helps with like crop growth and stuff like that. Um, something, so something that I talked to the um, farm manager about was how like it's expensive to kind of implement these practices. And especially with cover crops, cover crops are um, used like that are not the crops that you're actually like eating and consuming. They're crops that um, you plant while you're not harvesting. And it kind of protects the soil again and like um, helps with like topsoil erosion and kind of like maintains that ecosystem within the soil. And so a lot of these things are um, expensive to first implement because obviously you have to like plant more plants and like kind of transition to a different like method. But over time, it does bring like it can like be extremely profitable because you are able to like harvest more and plus your um uh, like you're kind of helping the environment. And so I really had no idea how much like factory farming and even like unsustainable agriculture, even if you're growing plants, um, like can be detrimental to the environment. And so kind of transitioning towards more sustainable practices is really important and like can also be like beneficial to you and like the business. Yeah, that's great. And I think, how would you, I think what's the biggest problem with transitioning to sustainability is getting the message to food to people, right? It's about saying that, I know, okay, right now, this is probably making you more money, but you have to think about the long-term um, effects as well. How do you get that message to other farmers? For example, like, would you, I mean, you might not know, but how would you know how you approach that? Like, obviously you came to your family with that as a young person in this generation who cares a lot about sustainability, but how do you kind of reach other people with the same message? Yeah, that's a good question. And it was definitely difficult because the farm manager that I talked to has been working for like my family for longer than I've been alive. And so obviously he's had a little bit more experience with it than I have. But um, I think it's a lot about educating yourself and um, like educating others and like passing that information to others so they can make a change. Um, and so my family actually um, 
uses uh, cash cropping or cash rent. So uh, cash rent is when like you basically give all the responsibility to the farmer and the owners are kind of like just getting income from the rent from the farmer who lives on the farm. Um, and so that's what my family does. And so we're pretty uninvolved in the farming practices, which I think is one of the big drawbacks to uh, like sustainability because you wanna be really involved like within your business and like within the farming practices. Um, and so there's basically two ways to like kind of like own and manage a farm. There's like cash rent, which is what um, me and my family uh, uh, like or participate in. And then there's crop sharing where the like the owners and the farmers like own like 50 50 of the land. And so the um, crop sharing is a little bit more risky because then if there is a bad season and like the crops don't grow or something, then the owners and the farmer also like kind of like feel that impact. But with um, cash rent, the if that happens, then the owners kind of still get that steady income just from the rent. And it's more the farmer that like has to like reap the consequences of that. Um, and so I think like kind of taking that initiative to um, like uh, transition to more crop sharing um, just so you can like have more of a say in like the farming practices is really important. And do you think the decision to um, practice farming more sustainably, do you think that should be made by farmers or do you think that should be made by governments that kind of subsidize farms? Yeah, that's also a really good question. Um, so when I was talking to the um, farm manager, he says that there needs to be more of like an incentive from the government to um, to like kind of uh, really push that transition to sustainable farming. And so there are things like uh, carbon credit, which is basically where like farms can sell like the carbon that they sequester into the soil, um, like to companies who emit carbon into the atmosphere, which is in my eyes is like kind of like uh, backwards. But um, so there are, are like incentives to like um, to like um, more sustainable farming practices, but I think there definitely needs to be more of a government um, intervention because a lot of farmers who have been like using these practices for like like decades and hundreds of years, um, like it's really difficult to kind of make that cultural shift to like a completely different method. Um, and so I think that's why like government and companies kind of need to make that incentive. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. It's not a. There's not. There's no wood where to blame directly is that it has to be a, a cultural shift from a lot of people involved in that chain of sustainability um yeah Alex do you have any questions or I'll keep um, talking. I'll just, <laughs> yeah no also a previous question where you're saying how sustainable practices they obviously don't like dig up the soil and so ecosystems are more I guess considered in sustainable practices so would you say it's a fair comment to make that animal rights are more considered when you're doing sustainable practices than if you were say like a factory farmer or yeah yeah absolutely I think like um being able to kind of like conserve that biodiversity in the soil is one of like the most important things for farming um and then also kind of like transitioning that thought to like animal agriculture I think um like, obviously, I feel like there's no, like, humane way to kill an animal, um, but I feel like the way that you raise an animal can't be humane, and so the, like, regenerative farming is, like, one way where you can have, like, humane, um, like, cattle grazing and, like, raising cattle or, like, other livestock, um, but I think that 
with sustainable farming, like it does really take into account like the animals' lives and like their well-being as long as like um along with like other like microorganisms and like other um other like organisms like in the ecosystem and in the community. Yeah. And I guess that kind of ties in you, Isabel, with obviously vegan meats. Your company is just, I guess, heavily like pushing towards animal rights, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. And that's a big piece of why I was vegan. I was vegetarian for 12 years and vegan for like three of those years. And now I'm plant-based, but like a little bit more flexible. Um, and that's a big part of like why I originally transitioned was like the morals. And I think that veganism is like trifold, like the morals, environment and animal rights and um, health. Oh, health is the third one. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to like acknowledge that. And, you know, that is a huge thing that's been, with like agriculture, the everything Anna's been talking about with like sustainable farming. And that's like a way to, I think, truly respect animals. And I think like, as I've aged, I've sort of like had a more open worldview of like understanding that people, you know, eating meat is like a part of a lot of people's traditions. And I don't think it's like my right to like ask people to just like completely stop because I think it is like culturally important to a lot of people. And um, of course, animal rights and the way you treat animals, like in that process is so important that's and that's why these agricultural practices are so important um but yeah the morals of you're killing an animal you're taking a life and you need to understand that the weight of that situation and I think um a lot of it is brushed past in our society and we're like not really exposed that you know like a lot of kids like they don't they like when they're explained like oh a hamburger is a cow that's like blows their mind because it's something that's like you know, it's, they like, like, as a kid, you're like taught about all these animals and you're like, you love all these animals and you love your like chicken nuggets. And then you don't make that connection. And then eventually you're like, oh God. And then, um, the factory farms and it's just all this like toxic cycle, you know, that we're a part of. Um, and it's like, I think education is so important in relation to all of that. And transparency, I think is really key. And like, you have to know what you're eating. You have to like, it's your decision if you want to eat meat or if you want to be vegan. But I think a really important thing is education and awareness and taking responsibility for our actions. But the utmost thing that's most important is like holding these corporations accountable. And like, they're the ones that are lying. You know, people shouldn't be made feel like to feel guilty because like we are being deceived, you know? So um, I always like to return to that because it is, you know, for me, it's shifted like over time. It was like animal rights was like the first reason I was like, we can't kill these animals. It's like so immoral. And I do believe that. I don't believe it's like, you know, humans shouldn't be just like taking life just like willy-nilly because we just want to you know but um I think more importantly that the you know these corporations need to be held accountable and like that they're taking advantage of us you know and uh the environmental factors and like the health it is like from a health standpoint it's so good for you so it is a way to honor animals the planet and your body by being vegan I hope yeah, that's your question interesting that you bring up the link on how people don't necessarily think that like what's in front of them where it's come from the animal I'm guilty of it when I was younger I, I didn't really understand like what was going on to get the dinner that was on my plate and so it kind of makes me think like if you could put into three key points like whether it's animal rights sustainability of like the three key points that you think your business is like giving that education that message to people what would you say they are You're talking about how we educate and like spread like, our, our product. How sustainable, how you think it educates, just three key points that you think are like 
yes that like pushes a message somewhere or you know just gives people a bit of information or insight into things yeah I mean we include it on our packaging we have sort of like the background of our business and like um talk about like the the water content of our like the content of the ingredients that we choose and I think um for us like a big we actually have a big social media presence I can share everything in the chat but my mom does a really great job of like posting on Instagram and um something we try to focus in on is just like how our product is just like it's just food it's like comforting food that everyone um it's like very approachable and um it tastes very similar to meat and so it doesn't you know take away like the flavor is similar and there's like this sense of comfort and home and um like we try to make it as accessible as possible we've really like lowered our price over time um so yeah and we do a lot of like donations to homeless shelters and we're like really trying to focus in on like local stores where just like average people shop it's not a high-end it's a high quality product but it's not like a deluxe high-end for the elites only so I think Something that's important with like this transition of veganism veganism is not making it like an elitist thing making it like something for all of us because you know to transition to a sustainable future we really need everyone to be a part of it and for everyone to feel like it's a welcoming space not an exclusive space um so i'll share i'll share everything in the chat all the links to our instagram and facebook and all of that um and you can yeah. get a little bit more of an idea of like where our company stands and things like that no, yeah, please do. I'm sure a lot of people watching would find it really interesting to have a look and just general, like, behind the scenes of what's going on. I think accessibility and afford affordability are the two biggest challenges or hurdles for sustainability. I'm sure, Anna, you can agree that even with farming, you said that transitioning to sustainable farming is expensive and who's going to pay that upfront cost for it, right? So that's definitely something that, you know, we can discuss. Um, Isabel, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on when like big fast food chains like McDonald's release vegan products like the vegan burger. I think it's great in terms of like increasing accessibility from that standpoint. Um, and like the Impossible Burger that really blew up. And I think I think it's great because it just like allows more people to be like, oh, what is this? It's vegan, but it tastes the same and it's good. So like, I'll choose this because, you know, it's like, they don't want to kill an animal for their meal, but they'd like like to be able to easily go to Burger King when they're like hungry on a road trip or whatever. And so from that standpoint, accessibility, I think it's really great. Um, one issue that like my dad is like, he doesn't like the Impossible Burger and um, because it, it isn't that healthy and it is made with like a lot of fillers. And um, there's like a lot of vegan products where you can make it pretty cheap and like, it's just like kind of junk food. And so from that standpoint, from a health standpoint, um, it's not great. It's sort of like similar, maybe a little bit better for your body than eating the meat. But like at that point, you're still eating junk food. So um, you just have to be conscious of that and like realize that it's a little bit of like a ploy by the company. And they are sort of like taking advantage of the sustainable movement, like greenwashing, being like, oh, look at us. Like we're saving the environment by like selling you this vegan burger. And like, are they really? And like, they still use a lot of plastic and they still, you know, their whole company, like, has a lot of issues at its core so I think yeah. it's important you just have to stay aware so do, do you think it would be possible for like a company um, like McDonald's who mass produces a vegan burger is that sustainable if they are doing all those unsustainable things to get you that burger is it still a best alternative no. or do you think it's still yeah it's hard I don't think it's, it's sustainable not at all I think it's more like you could argue it's more sustainable and it like there's a benefit and like that it's increasing accessibility of a vegan product but 
I think it's tricky with these types of things because it's like we talk about envoys when like you go through the whole sustainability analyst training. It's like, you have to think about like the pipeline that it goes through and like every product, you know, there's manufacturing costs, there's all these things like workers rights and all these things that you have to like account for and McDonald's, you know, a lot of these massive corporations, they're making a lot of like crucial mistakes in the high waste, you know, along the way, like a lot of waste is happening along the way. And just because that final product doesn't have meat doesn't necessarily mean that it's a sustainable product. And so that's just something that, and that's true with a lot of products. And um, it's, it's difficult to, it's so difficult to create like a zero emissions product. Like, does that even exist? You know, in our world, we just like naturally, we're like constantly taking advantage of our resources um, and polluting. It's like how like, humans, that's how we exist. Um, and so it's like really something that needs to be unpacked and like the whole thing, the whole chain needs to be like looked at and I think reorganized because these closed loop, like none of our systems are closed loop. You know, there's so much ending up in the landfill. So yeah, I think it's better. It's a better alternative and it's like great and in increasing education and awareness, but there's still definitely issues at its core. Yeah, like I'd love to know if McDonald's have commented on whether this vegan burger has done anything to change their carbon offsets and if they could say, oh yeah, we've created this and look what it's done for our carbon offsets. And I said, okay, well then I'm more happy to buy from you. But if you're going to just keep lying to me anyway, then don't, you know, what's the point? Yeah. Um, Alex, do you have any questions or? No, I've just had a look in our, uh, we've got a question and answer section from the attendees and there's some really interesting questions in there. So I'm going to throw a couple out if that's all right with you um the one that i'd also love to know the answer to because i'm a bit unsure someone has said um being plant-based and vegan are they not the same thing like could you just explain what the actual difference of that is because i personally don't know either yeah i can explain that uh so vegan is you don't eat any a strict vegan wouldn't eat any animal products so no no dairy so no milk butter eggs or eggs isn't dairy, but no eggs, no animal products, no meat. Um, and most vegans who are like pretty committed don't even have honey. Um, and then plant-based, it just means that you're like plant-centered. So your diet focuses around like whole foods and um, like fresh veggies and fruit. But at times you might implement like other things like dairy and eggs and um, even a little bit of meat, things like that. So plant-based, um, I think that's also a term in our company motto. We like, we've realized that, I mean, it's in our title, like not vegan meats, but the term vegan scares people. And it turns a lot of people off from trying a product because they're like, ah, like, and I, um, <laughs> all through high school, I would drive around to different grocery stores and I would give demos of our, of our product. And if I said, Oh, do you want to try this? It's vegan. A lot of people would be like, ew, no. But if I was like, Oh, do you want to try this? It's like, it's like plant-based like I don't know what I would say but I would just be like oh like I would make sure that they weren't allergic to nuts and things like that but I would just be like you want this it's chorizo but it's like and I was like but it's made out of nuts and things and then they would try and they'd love it and they'd be like oh wow that tastes so good but the term vegan is a little bit of a turnoff so I think in society that's like you start noticing more and more companies are using plant-based because it does um and most of the times if a if a restaurant or someone is saying plant-based then they are vegan but I think it's just more of like a it soothes people it doesn't feel as like final as like vegan like you know um so those are the differences I hope that makes sense like being plant-based is like 90% vegan but or maybe a little bit more but you know there's that percentage that you can have a, some dairy some cheese some whatever occasionally but your focus is generally just like you said around the whole foods yeah and I think it offers a little bit of flexibility and just like 
I don't know. I've really, I used to be a really strict vegan and I noticed that like my, like my quality of life was going down a little bit. Cause I would be like at like birthday parties and things like that. And you're like having fun with your friends and it's like people are eating cheese pizza. And it's like, I want to have a slice of pizza. You know, it's like, it's, you want to have fun with your friends. And like, now I'm like so much more flexible and I like, I'm enjoying my life so much more. And it's like, cause I, I had that guilt, you know, you have that guilt. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is like the way that I can contribute to like help climate change. It's like the thing that I can do, but it's like, you gotta be nice to yourself. And you, I think being plant-based and being flexible, I think that's like, it's so much better than just like never allowing yourself to have a cheat. Like they call it even like cheat days. Like the word cheat makes you feel guilty too. So it's like, I just think everyone needs to like love themselves and, you know, do what you want, but like being plant-based, it really is the healthy way to live for your body and the planet. So. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Isabel, you also actually have a question from a fellow voice member. I'm just going to read it out. It's going to read it wrong. Um, it's Abby. She's a junior at Cornell studying environment and sustainability. And she wants to ask you, how did joining Voice affect you and how your family manage your business? Um, were you able to apply your Voice experience to make changes to your business? Yeah, I love Voice. So I joined Voice in March. Um, I think Yvonne is still on this call. She's the best. Shout out to Yvonne. Um, but just it really opened my mind um and it's just such an amazing like program boys um and just like learning about corporations and the different like learning about the process and how these different companies make their products and I think it like I would like talk to my parents I lived at home with my parents over the pandemic for a whole year and I took my did my boys internship while I was at home and so we would always talk about everything that Diego taught in class and like Yvonne and I when we have discussions um and it was just like so inspiring and motivational to like never like this is something that my, my parents always talk about is like we never want to sacrifice the value of our product and just like honor the quality you know and I think with sustainable products that's really key because you don't you know, there's this pressure to make everything affordable and like super accessible for everyone and you just you don't want to sacrifice the quality and I think with voice too it's like encouraged us to do more thinking and like how we can remain as sustainable as possible with like our materials and things like that. Um, and like, again, with like be focusing in a little bit more cause we were pushing out to be like more of a national, we are a national, but to be focused more national, like California, New York, things like that. Um, we're like recentering and refocusing on Michigan um, has been really beneficial. I think that's something that like doing the voice internship has made me really appreciate. So yeah, I really love boys and I'm still, I've been a campus ambassador for the University of Michigan with boys and it's, it's just like a great collective group of people. And I just, the, I, it gives me hope. It really gives me hope that um, we can create a more sustainable future because there's so many young motivated people that really care and really understand the importance of all of this. absolutely I'm sure we can all agree with that I'm sure I think your body is I think she is listening <laughs> so oh yeah she heard um okay great we haven't got long left so I want to get this question out there because I don't want it to end on necessarily a bad note but I just wanted to ask if you can be you know are there any potentially negatives to being in a sustainable business you know not to put anyone off obviously everyone here loves sustainability and that's what we're pushing for but so also important to be honest like what are potentially the the not drawbacks but you know hurdles I think it's, uh, I like FaceTime my dad before I got on this call and I asked him this question. He was like, nothing, tell them nothing. <laughs> he was like, it's great. But he was like, you know, it's exhausting. It's challenging. Um, and you just, you put so much of your like life into it and you like, it's like my parents' baby. Like I used to, in high school, I would like get mad because 
they like they were like nutcase needs the car this weekend like you can't and I was like what it was like I was like the jealous older sibling oh <laughs> but um it's you know it's a commitment and it's like a challenge and the government you know there aren't like like I brought up before like you know the oil industry and the meat and dairy industry those are the industries that are like heavily subsidized and these like it's challenging to start a vegan business and if you don't have like the money and the resources and the time it's extremely cha- it's challenging regardless but it's like so challenging um and so there are you know it's just you have to commit and you have to like really want it and have that like drive and motivation um and the passion I think my parents that's like why it's worked is they're both so passionate um and like love educating people about this and they love our product and they're proud of our product um yeah yeah, thank you. So I, I didn't want to ask it, but I thought, you know, we have to push transparency. So I think it's also important to discuss, you know, everything that's good about it, but, you know, you have to also be honest about, you know, there are challenges, I'm sure. Um, Corey, I've just seen you. Sorry, I've just seen you, Jonas. Hope you haven't been here long. Um, Corey, can you tell us a bit about your um, your business that you started in lockdown? Yeah, of course. Sorry, I'm late. I'm on, um, I'm in New York right now. And so timing is confusing. Um, so I started wax bees bees wraps in uh quarantine in 29 let's see 2020 i was teaching sustainability workshops um at uh, my university and then i was doing it at a local uh arts workshop but then as people weren't able to gather i started um creating the products from home and selling them to my friends and family and what bees wraps are if you don't already know um are reusable food wraps they're usually cotton coated in beeswax and sometimes like pine resin, which is like tree sap. And they're reusable over and over again to wrap like cheese or a sandwich instead of using um, single use plastic wrap, which is um, obviously not good in production and disposal and the whole um, cycle of it. Um, What's also interesting is they can be uh, composted. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And I wanted to ask you, you've had a very personal journey to zero waste. So when did this kind of like or passion or interest of yours kind of start? And then how did you evolve this into wanting to teach other people how they can be uh, live zero waste? Oh, my gosh. I remember my second year of college. I really I realized I wasn't consuming that much as I was like living on campus and I wanted to like challenge that. And honestly, I was turned on by Laura Singer of what zero waste and um, Bea Johnson of Zero Waste Home. Um, and so there was these um, online personalities that made it look beautiful and interesting to make this like personal change in your life that could, um, what I always remind myself is it could have like a ripple effect like on your friends and family around you. Like maybe they'll stop, start shopping secondhand or stop using plastic water bottles or you know, volunteering for local mutual aid. So all these things, um, kept me passionate about it um and I started like shopping zero waste and buying all my food in bulk and continuing to shop secondhand for clothes um yeah what was the question <laughs> no that that was it I was asking you how you developed your kind of passion for zero waste and then you know teaching other people about it as well um Alex do you have any questions for I again keep answering. <laughs> Um, if I have any more, if I have any questions. (laughs) 
sorry, I might be having a few technical issues. Alex, are you there or do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. Alex, I think you have to unmute. Oh my God, sorry, completely forgot that mute was a thing. But um, I was just going to ask about how you get your resources for the bees wraps. I guess wax is a main component to it. Um, like, do you have your own bees? Like, how do you get hold of this? Yeah, that's a great question. And they're not, you know, they're not vegan, if that's um, important to the consumer. Um, but I do try to source all of my materials thoughtfully, I think is like a good way to put it. Um, so the beeswax, I've, I've used multiple different suppliers um, from different local beekeepers. I've gone to the farmer's market and like sought out a supplier. Um, and I have bought it from health food stores where it says that they're from um, like it says that the, what the, the apiary where they're from. Um, I don't keep bees. Oh, I also, yeah, just like partnering with different, I think it's the word is apiaris. Um, and I've tried different iterations of that and I'm always looking for a new source. And then with like the other supplies, I try to buy them local, like the cotton. I support like this local business that had been in town for like 50 plus years. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of negative stigma around um, entering bees hives with like gassing bees and stuff. Do you speak to your suppliers and like know what kind of practices they do to consider the bees when they're extracting these resources? I, honestly, that's a great point. And I, I don't, some of the time they've been in small scale, like backyard beekeepers. Um, but I don't know if they use that. Um, what is it? It's like, I've heard it compared to like a nicotine that like puts them to sleep. And so like the people can't, the, the beekeeper doesn't get stung and then it puts all the bees to sleep. And that would be a good thing to consider because obviously bees are sentient and important creatures for ecosystems and I respect the bees. And it's hard to, to source things perfectly and coming from different angles. It, it must be so hard. People probably don't even share that information in the first place. So yeah, it must be really hard to try and source something that's completely sustainable in the first place. Yeah, and I'm always trying to challenge myself on how I can make my products more thoughtfully and resourcefully. Yeah. Amazing. And can I ask out of interest, do you find it easier to sell your products to younger consumers? Or do you also get a fair amount of, um, I don't want to say older, <laughs> but older consumers? a great question um i think it really depends on the mindset of the consumer like i've had a variety of age interest and in who wants to make more sustainable choices in the home and it really it doesn't have like a gender or an age i would say but more of like um a way of thinking and a willingness to adopt a new habit yeah, no, absolutely no. It was just out of interest because we know, you know, statistics show that young people tend to be more vegan and things like this. I wonder if there was like a cultural and educational shift that we have to push, not push, but you know, people have to make that decision themselves, I guess, to uh, incorporate sustainability into, into everyday lives, like um, packaging and everything. Yeah. Um, Alex, do you have any questions from the Q&A? 
Um, yeah, we have quite a lot of questions coming from um, people who have attended and are watching. So um, anyone feel free to jump in. But there's people saying, can you discuss the labour practices of your business and how you factor sustainability efforts into these practices? Do you know who that question's directed towards? Um, to any of them, they just want okay. to get planning of what doing. Yeah, I can speak a little bit about that. I'm not like super um, like in the know about like our label practices, but um, so for sustainable farming or the farming that we do right now, um, it's mostly uh, like machine based. Um, and so there are not a lot of like actual like uh, like workers um, on the farms. But I think because we do um, like participate in the cash rent, the farmers themselves are more incentivized to um, like the work is more for them than it is for us. Um, and so I think that's like kind of what I wanted to touch on. Um, but the I the we've been working with the same farmers for like um, decades now. And so um, we're like pretty in the know, like we visit their families and stuff. Um, and so it's more um, like, but it is definitely more machine based, I think. I can just briefly discuss it. So our, it's very much a family business and we had at the most, at its like peak when we had the most employees, we had three employees besides my dad and my mom and I and my brother. Um, and so very, very small. Um, and we like pay like really, really good salaries. Um, my dad has always been like really conscious of that. Our employees were young, they were like in their thirties, um, but like livable wages and um, just be being very like conscious of that, uh, um, creating like a really like comfortable environment we actually had some issues though and um our chef was like I before I talked about like how it's your baby when you start a business and you really have to like honor the product and keep the quality high and um we had to let our chef like the chef that we she was like a professional chef and we, she worked with that case for like five years she was really sacrificing the quality and not being honest with my parents about like she was skipping some steps um I don't know if to get into all the drama the tea of that but so she ended up leaving the company earlier this year and so my dad retired from medicine after he was like he worked through the pandemic as a doctor both my parents um and they retired both in December and then like have fully taken over that case so it's literally just my parents my two parents and then one of our family friends comes in and like helps uh he's like my age and he helps clean and like do some of the batches with my dad but my parents are like powerhouses and so they just really do it themselves it's like insane like I when I told you I FaceTimed my dad this morning and he was like woke up at 5 a.m I did two batches this morning and I'm like okay like <laughs> you're like it's you really can calm down but um you know it's just like the passion that fuels it and so I mean we don't really have that much it's my parents so it's like their product and are like themselves working so you know the sustainability of it is like sustaining their own like joy for the product because it just is them making it so I'm always trying to tell them like take a break you know get a massage <laughs> like relax um but yeah it really is a family business so this sort of question doesn't necessarily apply exactly and then we have no, another question oh sorry Kate you go ahead no no I was just saying how much I lost that <laughs> you go back um, we have another question, and um, Corey, you might be able to answer this um, best, but it says, for those older than Gen Z um, viewing this webinar, what advice would you give them to live a more sustainable lifestyle? Mm. Mm, um, 
I really like practical answers. So I guess it depends what angle you come to it from. Um, I guess on one hand, more abstractly being willing to change your habits and see it as like a positive change in your life. And it could be bring some like meaning and beauty into your like everyday decisions that you may have not already considered. Um, and to do it with your friends or your, you know, your children or your class or whoever is your community. Um, but practically, I mean, it's, I find so much joy in like shopping secondhand for clothes and for thrifting, like my home, like, you know, like decorations or kitchen goods and um, supporting local businesses and I don't know, picking up trash and doing beach cleanups. And there's like all these like specific things you could do to influence like positive, sustainable change. Um, and there, yeah, there's so many different routes. I mean, they could engage on social media with like, uh, I don't know, YouTubers or their demographic of people that they relate to um, and seek that out and someone who speaks their language. Yeah, um, I can touch on that a little bit too. Um, I think that like, especially for like older generations, um, it's very much like a cultural thing. And so like sustainability and living like environmentally friendly is kind of like a new concept. Um, and so I think like doing little things like what Corey was saying, like trying to eat plant-based as much as you can, or, um, you know, just like the stuff that like the government tells you like, oh, like turn off the water when you're not using it and like turn off the lights when you leave the room. Um, I think there are so many uh, little changes that you can make in your life that will eventually like make a bigger impact because like they build up over time. Yeah, I really love what both of you said. I think that's they're very, very true. Um, one other thing I just with not case with the older generation because that is a challenge um, I think like what Corey was saying I think you got to kind of tie into people's interests so like young people love thrifting and so that's like a great way to engage people with older people I think people get concerned about their health so emphasizing personal health that's something like not case the foundation of it is that it's a really healthy product in that a whole like a whole food plant-based diet it's proven that it's like has an ability to reverse all sorts of diseases and prevent things like diabetes and hypertension and, um, you know, ca cardiovascular disease, all sorts of, all sorts of things like this. So, um, for us, like, I think that's where we get the older people. Cause like being vegan, it does scare like, like, Oh, I don't want to try something vegan. But like, when you start talking about health and talking about all the benefits, um, it's okay if they're not doing it for the planet, like that's like an after effect, like it helps the planet, but like, if they're doing it for their personal health, I think that's great too. So. It's, I think it's about the way that you communicate with people is really important and empathizing with them. Yeah, um, and I see in the chat that like Yvonne says that you can look at their investments. I think that's also um, really important and it's not something that I really do personally because I'm not a huge investor, but I know a lot of people are. And so you can see like what you are investing in like and their sustainable goals and like how they are sustainable. And then if they're not like being able to change that or like even reach out to the company and say like, oh, this, like you say you're sustainable, but you're really not. Um, and so I think like really looking into the investments because a lot of times like those changes are like, um, like you you vote with your dollar. I think someone, I think Isabel, you said that um, like you, like money holds so much power into like changing, kind of like being aware of your investments and being really thoughtful with that um, is also a really good way to make change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And talk to like 
don't think of companies being sustainable, tell them. They have all of these um, emails, phone numbers, something. If you don't attack companies and whatever, but if you see something they're doing and you don't necessarily agree with it, they have these contacts that you can email and just give your opinion. And the more emails like this they get, they'll see there's a demand to push them sustainability. So in the end, it does help. So yeah, I guess it's very important to bring that up as well. People don't realise you can speak to big companies, but you can, you've got a voice, you can use it 100%. Yeah, I was just I was just going to add that the the takeaway I got from um, all three all three of your points is that there is value at every angle of sustainability, whether you're coming at it from health, environmental, economic, and there is it's just getting through to people and getting that message across. But yeah, um, any more Q and A questions, Alex? Um, let me have a look. Um. Uh, Isabel, so obviously your products being sold in the US. Um, some UK listeners are saying, do you have any knowledge of UK alternatives? Because obviously we won't be able to source your products to try them. I do not, but I have cousins that live in <laughs> in the UK, and so I could ask them and like reach out to voice. I have no idea. Sorry about that, but um. Maybe too, I'll talk to my parents and see like potentially we do want to expand globally. Um, but yeah, I think too, it's important to sort of start demanding products that are available for vegans. So um, like we always like as a business, we'll like go in and ask stores, you know, like to ask them about vegan products and like just to create that demand. I think like what you were saying, Alex, about like how we have a voice. I think it's important to like let these businesses know that consumers want this. So just creating that traction is really key but I'm sure if you look on reddit or something like there's I know there's a vegan I actually follow it like a vegan uk subreddit and um things like that I'm sure you can find alternatives good luck <laughs> amazing thank you can I just almost because I think we have gone a bit over now so just put this out as the kind of last question to to all of you is what would you like the main points for the voice community to take away from this like that everything we've discussed today about sustainability and food agriculture everything what would be your kind of little summary that's like that's a really like hard question to answer but um i think that at least from my angle i think like taking into account like the whole production cycle um like in the products that you're using um and so like even like if you do choose to eat meat or like if it's like regenerative farming versus like factory farming, like there is like a huge difference between the two. Um, and I think just being able to like be aware and like doing your research on like even the stuff, like if a company says something like, yes, but like I say, like do a little bit more research on the outside because like the company is also like obviously like trying to come off one way, even though like it might be like something like else might be true um and so i think that's something really important yeah i really love that i think for me um the important thing is like recognizing the interconnectedness of all of this the health and the environmental factors and all of that and um you know by purchasing a high quality vegan product you like that's like self-care and that's like you're like you know taking care of like your body and the planet um and it's not something that you have to do every single day, every single meal. 
Um, but it's a way to honor yourself um, with like a really whole food quality product. And so I think that's something that you can start to do in all aspects of your life, like buying sustainable clothing, like buy like one really high quality product, like a, like my coat, like a Patagonia coat, like something that will last you a long time. You know, it doesn't have to be every single product in your life. It doesn't have to be every single meal, but like inching that way, creating that, like, um, like that demand in the business world that like knowing these, like these corporations need to know that consumers like are educated and that we like want products that, you know, honor our bodies, um, is really crucial. So yeah, that would be my takeaway. Mm, I would add to that, that every choice we make could, you could make a sustainable choice and, and, and go in the direction of either way. And like considering that when you, um, purchase new items or put things into your body, um, the direction that you want to go with that. And that our actions have like a powerful effect on our environment and the people around us. And we could really influence a positive change with our decisions. Um, yeah. And just make, I don't know, making the world that you want to, you envision the, the world that we want and we can do that and, and not to, not to give up, not to get jaded by it and just to do it with joy. <laughs> I think you've all absolutely hit the nail on the head with everything you've just said. Um, and yeah, I think that is all of the end of our questions today. So thank you so much for answering all our questions. Um, Alex, do you have anything else you want to add? Sorry, I <laughs> completely turned no, it off. No, thank you for coming and taking some time out of your day. People that are watching, hope you've enjoyed it. And all of the events running this week, they're very exciting. So you have to register for each one individually. So make sure you've done that if you want to keep up to date with them. But yeah, that's all from me, Kate. So Great. Yeah, thank you, guys. It was really, really lovely to meet you, virtually. And yeah. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Yeah, thank you so everyone. much. It was great being here. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.